Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome. I was away for the weekend, kind of out of the news cycle, with the wife and my boy Ben in Richmond to see my daughter and celebrate my birthday. You know, on February 1, I marked an anniversary, my first day of work at the Media Research Center. Started in 1989, 35 years ago. I got the job offer on George H.W. Bush's inauguration day. It was like, I think the only inauguration I've been to in person. And it has been an adventure here at the MRC ever since. I always thank the Brents, Bozell, and Baker for the privilege of letting me play in this jungle gym every day. Now... Let's start this show with a very angry Chris Wallace. He and Tucker Carlson are not friends. So on a Saturday show on CNN, he uncorked on Tucker for his interview with Vladimir Putin. Tucker was an eager puppy. That was the kinder phrase. You could call him a useful idiot, but that's unfair to useful idiots. Tucker Carlson showed up in Moscow this week to interview Vladimir Putin. It turned out to be anything but an interview. Putin droned on for two hours and seven minutes while Tucker sat there like an eager puppy. Occasionally, but rarely, he got in a question like this one about the power of the deep state in Washington. It sounds like you're describing a system that's not run by the people who are elected in your telling. That's right. That's right. But more telling than what Tucker asked is what he didn't ask. Nothing about why Putin invaded a sovereign country. Nothing about targeting civilians. Nothing about Russian war crimes. A reporter can ask Putin a tough question if he wants a real interview. Why is it that so many of the people that oppose Vladimir Putin end up dead or close to it. But apparently that's not why Tucker went to Moscow. During the Cold War, gullible Westerners who spread Soviet propaganda were dismissed as useful idiots. But calling Tucker that is unfair to useful idiots. No, he's made a cynical decision to chase MAGA's affection for dictators. And what better way to cash in than Putin's Kremlin? Oh, yes. Chris pulled out his own interview with Putin for Fox News in 2018. The New York Times hailed Wallace back then because Wallace was seen as the contrarian inside Fox asking Putin about helping Trump get elected. That's the kind of questioning the New York Times wanted. Collusion, collusion, and more collusion. Yes, unlike Tucker and Hannity, who were just too pro-Trump, he was, the, he was the contrarian. He was the moderate. Now, we didn't criticize Chris Wallace on Newsbusters in 2018, as far as I can tell, because we count ourselves as anti-Putin. Tough questions for Putin should be expected. We are consistent. We've always hated the Soviets. These people only started hating the Russians in like 2016. These are all the people that we're all with Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, 
sucking up to Putin under Obama. Rehan Salam was the only Wallace panelist on CNN who did not agree 100% with him on the useful idiot of all useful idiots line. He noted Tucker did ask about jailed reporter Evan Gershkovich of the Wall Street Journal. Tucker asked Putin if he could release him. Everyone else on the CNN panel sort of just shouted that down like, well, that's the bare minimum. Everybody should have asked that. But this whole attack is an interesting thing for Chris Wallace. Since in 2017, he publicly criticized Fox News' opinion hosts for bashing the media. See, it's okay for Chris Wallace to say somebody's not a journalist. They're an eager puppy. He can say Tucker's not a journalist. But apparently Tucker and Sean Hannity could never say that about old Brian Williams or Don Lemon. This is also an interesting tack since it was his own father, Mike Wallace, who went to meet with Ayatollah Khomeini in his earliest days as the dictator of Iran, an American hostage taker, back in 1979. What Rich Noyes had us remember as the Forgive Me Imam interview. Sorry, Imam, but Anwar Sadan said you're a lunatic. Now, I wonder how young Chris Wallace then age 32, not 12, thought of that interview. Was he proud or was dad an eager puppy? Jorge Bonilla and Brent Baker noticed this yesterday on Meet the Press. They put on Jen Psaki, the former White House press secretary, the one who makes Karine Jean-Pierre look terrible at her job, just like John Kirby does. Uh, they were discussing how somehow the pro-Biden media was apparently so horrible you would bang your head against the wall if you're a Democrat. Listen. If you're sitting in the White House and on the campaign right now, you're absolutely banging your head against the wall at the way that the Thursday report has been covered, given all of the things that have happened this week, including, and I know you asked Chris Christie about this, the fact that Donald Trump yesterday suggested that Vladimir Putin should have free reign in attacking NATO allies. Yeah. And what do we see when we wake up this morning? Wall-to-wall -wall coverage yeah. of whether a guy who's four years older than his opponent is too old to be president. Yeah, and we are going to get to NATO. Well, Go ahead. Part of the job to, to bring that to the front is the president's job to bring that out and attack yeah. his opponent. I mean, the president is not taking the opportunity on Super Bowl Sunday. He's not taking really any opportunities. And we hear him oh, time and again. First of all, that's not true. It's not being covered. He has traveled just as much as Donald Trump, as Barack Obama. It is hard to break through the cloud of Donald Trump in this media environment. That is true. Now let's congratulate Brendan Buck, that old John Boehner and Paul Ryan aide. Now, often when Republicans become regular contributors on pro-Biden network shows, we are going to hate it when they turn around and endorse some of the pro-Biden talking points or... It, often it's it's sort of like how much do the Republicans stink or how much the Republican Party is an epic disaster. Brennan Buck just performed this routine on NPR on Morning Edition with Steve Inskeep. Yes, you can be anti-Republican on national public radio. But at least in this case on NBC, Buck made the obvious rejoinder to Saki. 
President Biden is not taking the opportunity on Super Bowl Sunday to defend himself. He's really not taking any opportunities. And to this, Jen Psaki lies some more. That's not true. He has traveled just as much as Donald Trump as Barack Obama. You're changing the subject. Obama and Trump offered way more interview opportunities than Joe Biden. Traveling means nothing in terms of taking questions from the press. Surely a former press secretary would understand the difference between traveling and granting interviews. And then she claimed it's hard for Biden to break through the cloud of Donald Trump in this media environment. Oh, sure. That's because the media hate Donald Trump and trash him all the time and sort of ignore that Joe Biden's actually the president. But don't see her have a pity party. Joe Biden can't break through. Joe Biden can break through anytime he wants. That's why we got this disastrous press availability last week. But Buck, again, makes the obvious point. You know as well as anyone, he's done fewer interviews, fewer press conferences than his predecessors. Yes, way fewer than Donald Trump. And the media hated Trump. And he gave them interviews anyway because he likes the attention. And he has no fear of being treated as an outrage machine. They, they, he, he knows that he kind of benefits from that. I mean, what was this remark this weekend about NATO? It's one thing to say. When I was president, I demanded that the NATO countries put up their fair share. And because I insisted upon it, they did. No, he was like, I say to Putin, go ahead and invade countries that don't give enough to NATO. I mean, <laughs> it's like he says it on purpose to outrage people. I'm sorry. I don't like this. All this focus on Biden's mental decline. I'm going to display my own. <laughs> it's actually not anything new for him. You know, he's always got a bluster in there with some new thing that everybody's going to be outraged about. It's kind of, you could just tell he likes it that way. So, uh, Brendan Buck also said, you know, we're supposed to believe that Biden is super sharp behind closed doors, but that's not what the American people see. And this is true. You know, over on this week, ABC's John Carl was saying a new poll found 86% were concerned about Biden's age in a second term, 86%. Maybe Jen Psaki can bang her head against the wall against that, but it's simply the truth. Now, right after John Carl uncorked this poll, he started talking about the Robert Herr report. And his guests were fairly regular guests, uh, Preet Bharara, and uh, Sarah Isger. But here's the way that he's describing them. This bothers me. I noticed this with Pierre Thomas at the end of last year. This is the way the guests are introduced. Sarah Isker is the former spokesperson for the Justice Department during the Trump administration and is now a senior editor at the Dispatch. Preet Bharara is the former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Now what's missing? It's perfectly fine to notice Isker worked for Trump. You know, noting she's now at the dispatch would suggest to you she's no longer pro-Trump. The dispatch is very anti-Trump. But it's, it's leaving out 
who appointed Preet Bharara to be the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York? That would be Barack Obama appointed him in 2009, and he served in that job for eight years until Trump came along. Carl could have also noted if he looked at, say, OpenSecrets.org, said, let's look at pre-Tinder Barara's campaign donations. He donated to John Kerry. He donated to Barack Obama. And, of course, he donated to Joe Biden in 2020. But this intro suggests joining us today, a Trump Republican and a nonpartisan. So then he turns to Barrara and says, did Robert Hur make the right call? And of course, Barrara goes off, you know, denouncing the idea that Hur said that Biden was showing signs of mental decline. And he said that had no place in this document. It makes no sense for this to be in this document. Then Carl turned to Sarah. He didn't actually ask her a question. He just basically said, Sarah, your turn. And of course, she explained, there's a reason for her to do this. The justice manual says it's not enough to say that Biden willfully retained these classified documents. Even if you can prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, you have to believe as the prosecutor that you can get a conviction from a jury. That's why her was saying, I don't think I convict on this because a jury would say he's mentally declined too much to be guilty of willfully detaining these records. Now, that to me as a juror, I would say, well, he took these records either while he was vice president or while he was a senator. And we're not going to try to argue that somehow Back in 2013, he was, you know, or in 2006, you're not going to say he was mentally incapacitated then. That's when he took the documents. Was he mentally incapacitated when he was reading his notes to his autobiographer? I mean, it's, you know, when you're reading classified documents to somebody, it's the exact same as apparently Donald Trump showing classified documents to guests at Mar-a-Lago. It's the same thing. Preet Bharara is upset because the Biden administration threw 40 felony counts at Obama for doing this and zero at Biden, but he's unhappy that Trump's indictments seem to help him. Yes, because everybody on the Republican half of America thinks this is phony baloney double standards, and they would be right. Also breaking today on this Monday, there's Nick Fondacaro's reporting on the foiled shooting at televangelist Joel Osteen's church in Houston. What he found interesting this morning is it started breaking Andy No's Twitter account. They were suggesting this. CNN reported, new this morning, sources are telling us the woman who shot up a megachurch in Houston used an AR-15 with the words, Free Palestine on it. Oh, Really? Co-host John Berman spoke with uh, CNN's law enforcement analyst, John Miller, who broke the story for CNN. He said the free Palestine message on the gun was a strong indicator of the shooter's motive. One would think. But Miller danced around the evidence the shooter was also transgender. He admitted the authorities knew the shooter was a 37-year-old woman whose identity may have crossed with other identities at different times. Mr. Fonda Carroll's point was MSNBC at this point hadn't noticed any of this. 
We'll be watching the evening news shows to see where this goes. But I think we all know when there's a transgender shooter, they get very touchy. They don't know what to do with that whatsoever. But that is a story we'll be following here at Newsbusters. Finally, we're here on a Monday. Tonight is the uh, the beginning of John Stewart's Madhouse-style Monday night reports on The Daily Show. There's a full-page ad on the back of the front section of the New York Times. Brent Baker tells me there's one in the Washington Post as well today. And their slogan for Jon Stewart, the sequel, is, A second term we can all agree on. No, we can't. You really hate that with liberals. Maybe, I guess, every subscriber to the New York Times is a Democrat. We can all agree on a second term for Jon Stewart as our chief national jester. Jon Stewart appeared on the uh, CBS Mornings show. That's the one that airs on CBS from 7 to 9 a.m. They're making things all confusing now because they're calling their 4 a.m. news show something mornings. CBS News Mornings. It's Who titles these shows? They all stink. So, Gail King and Tony DeCoppola are all there like, oh, tell us, kind sir, how wonderful you are. King did note the corporate synergy. Both CBS and Comedy Central are part of Paramount Global, which caused Tony DeCoppola to say to Stewart, you're now located atop the Paramount Mountain, sir. And then Gail King said, I'm wondering if you've missed us as much as we've missed you. Somebody writes about you, John Stewart. John Stewart was a voice of reason in my generation. It's great to see him returning. There has been no better host of The Daily Show since he left. Now, I decided I would go Google this because she didn't say who it was. Well, what you find is, I didn't find anybody who said all this. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but this is the Paramount line. If you go looking at their press releases, it's like, John Stewart is the voice of our generation. They're not going to say at Paramount, Trevor Noah sucked. Uh, you know, doing a year of, Rotating hosts sucked. Well, they're still going to be doing that now. So apparently it's going to be Chris Wallace on Mondays and then some of these other uh, comedy show contributors like Roy King or whatever on the other nights. Why would Jon Stewart only come back to Mondays? Because Rachel Maddow told him how to do it. I don't have to work half as hard and I still get to be famous. Uh, who knows? I don't know if I've heard any financial terms this time. It used to be when he was the full-time host, he was pulling down like 32 or $35 million a year. And yet he'll come on a show like this and he say, oh, the billionaires of Paramount are playing with us like we're on a board of Stratego. It's like, pal, don't play the poor guy in this environment. I mean, yeah, you and Gail King, you're the salt of the earth. Now, when they asked Stewart if they ex he expected to have influence in this position, he tried to play modest and suggested, you know, TV hosts, he learned, don't have all the influence that full-time activists do. So he said, you know, I like in television too, if you can occasionally provide air support to those on the ground who are actually doing the work. Yeah, doesn't that explain what the late night comedians are doing? Air support for the good guys. They're all leftists. 
providing air support for the people doing the left-wing work. Then there was this weird passage where Gail King says to him, John, you have a unique ability to call up both sides when you see that they may be fluid with the truth. And DeCopel said, and a unique allergy to the idea of both sides. You want to call out the truth. See, now there's the, they're actually disagreeing with each other entirely. Gail King started with, you call out truth on both sides, which isn't what John Stewart ever did. Anybody who saw John Stewart kiss John Kerry's ring in 2004 doesn't really get this idea of him being tough on all sides. That was not the case. Liberals could come on his show and they would be like, oh, Brian Williams, you are so wise. You are the voice of truth. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, so he, uh, John Stewart is very much in the decopal camp. I have an allergy to both sides. I'm for the truth. And that's what he, he says, you know, what are the axes we're working with? Plural of axis. What are the axes? I think you like to work off of the difference between corruption and integrity as opposed to right and left or Democrat and Republican. Yeah, this is the way these people talk, but it's phony. It's fake news. Oh, I'm against corruption and for integrity, and I think everything the Republicans do is corrupt and everything the Democrats do is integrity. That's pretty much where we land. We're going to make 7,000 jokes about George Santos and two about Bob Menendez. Uh, Brent Baker came in to notice to me today that the, the special election to elect the successor to George Santos, they've blocked out four hours on CNN, like they're titling it, you know, oh, Santos night. <laughs> they didn't use the phrase Santos night. But the idea that this is, you know, wildly significant. Now we know the Republican margin in the House is tiny. But generally, special elections, they don't say, and now, four hours. What they'd really want to do is, we're going to dedicate four more hours to talking about George Santos. That, that's probably what's going to happen. Anyway, the, uh, the interesting thing here is, you know, uh, we just have to understand, whether it's CNN, whether it's Comedy Central, whether it's whatever these channels, they just have this insanity that they are the truth, that they are the forces of integrity, and they, they just don't have the humility to understand There's there can be corruption on both sides. And there's in, it, you know people of integrity on both sides. And I think what people miss about our current information environment is just that ability to say, over on this side, Joe Biden lies a lot. Over here, Donald Trump says a lot of outrageous stuff that's not true. And you can admit to both. Joe Biden's too old at 81. Maybe Donald Trump's too old at age 77. And what's fascinating is now some of these networks, NBC News doing stories like, we've consulted with brain experts who said, you're all asking the wrong question about Biden's mental fitness. These are the same people who are like, you know, organizing. Joe Scarborough says, Trump's got to go. He's lost it. He's insane. Joe Biden, you know, you have to have a neurologist to have an opinion about Joe Biden. Joe Scarborough, not a neurologist, but these are the sorts of games you play. We can all see this the way that the news media plays this game. And they're going to aggressively now, after that initial shock of what happened with Biden, 
the question of Biden's mental fitness, despite the fact that 86% are showing concerns about it, they're going to treat it like, ugh, this is a Republican argument. It's a Republican pounce. We don't want to, Republicans are have, seizing and having a seizure. We don't want to talk about this. You can see Jen Psaki's really unhappy that this is a topic at all. And this is the way Democrats think. You know, the same way that the people on Twitter, the left-wingers on Twitter would say, Kristen Welker stinks because she's actually talking about things we don't want anybody talking about. Jen Psaki, that's the person they want. The one who is completely enthralled with all the Democrat talking points. That's what they want NBC News to be. Democrat talking points 24-7. I mean, and maybe that's what they're trying to be for the most part. When they do that, that's when we're going to report it to you. That's why you come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.